Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of EverAg Podcast. We are on with Mr. John Spainhauer talking about the GDT auction that just wrapped up this morning. John, how are we doing? Doing great, Codiddle. Great to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, so we're going to talk about event 284. Uh, for reference, that is the one that happened on May 18th, 2021. And before we got on, John, you and I were just kind of discussing it, that it was kind of kind of a snooze fest, kind of like last, uh, you know, two weeks ago, the last episode that we had. But there is some underlying good news in here for exports. Yeah, I think it's uh, really important to keep it in context here. Yeah, on the overall auction result, we were down 0.2%. Just not a a very, you know, we, we just haven't really done much. And we haven't done much for the last three or four auctions. And th- there will be those out there that'll say, oh, you have to feed a bull market to keep it going. You've got to have, you know, just perpetual motion higher in order for it to be bullish or to tell a story. And I guess I would look at it to say, I, you know, sometimes you do. But when it comes to the GDT, I think what we're seeing here, the behavior and at least the, the performance of the auction leads me to believe that you know, the market is still in really great shape and also holds a lot of upside opportunity for U.S. dairy prices. And the reason I say that is, uh, like we were talking earlier, Cody, you know, we can go through the gamut here in a minute. But if you look at the prices of the products on the GDT today, in general, what you'll find is, is that they, you know, whole milk powder, moved a little bit lower, but in general, everything is kind of edging higher or unchanged, but it's trading at some pretty significant premiums to the U.S. market. And I look at that and say that that's just been, that in itself has been something that's been going on for a while. And it is in general, it has helped drag our prices higher. Our prices have kind of gone kicking and screaming and, uh, you know, really, you know, trying their best not to move higher. And there's probably several different issues for that. But uh, I think what this auction in general does is say, hey, the world dairy market is in great shape right now. The Chinese are still buying. And as a result, the U.S. price at the discount that it's trading at is probably going to see some upside. Exactly. And, and you and I were, you know, kind of hitting on this a little bit on the last GDT auction, but especially now after this event kind of folded up our cheese, um, you know, spot trade, uh, block and barrel got, got hammered pretty hard and you were doing the math before we jumped on, but we're talking about a, a 30 cent plus discount that we are right now, essentially to the rest of the world. You could say, is it fair to say that we are the cheapest in the world on a majority of these products talking skim milk, butter, and cheese? I would say that it's uh, outside of way, it's, it's definite that we're the cheapest in the world. And to your point there, Cody, you know, you have a, a GDT cheddar price that goes off today at roughly a dollar ninety-six. That in itself was probably supportive of cheddar when we were at a dollar sixty-eight coming into the day, our block price. And instead we can't settle, you know, our market responded by going to a dollar sixty-three in blocks and roughly a dollar sixty-three in barrels. And so our, our market in the short term here didn't respond to this auction. We 
have our own independent dynamic happening here in the domestic market. Most importantly, what we've got here in the U.S. is that we've got an increasing finished goods supply of blocks. There is a company that has, you know, Com- nearly completed the expansion, or excuse me, not the expansion, but the commission of a new plant. They've been running a lot of product through that and a lot of finished goods coming to the market in the block market. So we do have a new supply on the market, as well as I think our, our domestic market here from a demand standpoint is, you know, fighting a little bit back and forth between the food service and the retail channels. You know, food service is coming back, and that is so great to see. And it's, I think it's just going to keep going up from here. That's great for cheese, particularly on the, the the process side. It loses a little bit of luster when we get to the natural side, and where natural natural blocks last year were really the story, right? At the and part of that was the families, the farmers or excuse me, farmers to family food box, but uh, also retail demand was incredible last year uh, as we couldn't go out to eat. So as we're starting to make this transition back into food service and going out to eat, every meal that we eat out is generally one that we don't uh, buy food for at the retail side of things. So we're going through this channel switching, and I think sometimes that puts a little, you know, it makes demand a little squishy or a little hard to, to capture in there. And like I said, at the same point in time, you've got a finished, uh, uh, an increase in finished product coming to the block line. So maybe a little bit of dwindling of demand at the same point in time, an increase in supply. We're fighting it out here at 163. But to the broader point that you brought up, Cody, at $1.95, $1.96 cheese, somewhere in here, you're going to find another export bid. I believe that exports were part of what got us up to a buck 80 to begin with, as well as food service. But I think the food service will continue to grow. I think the split that we're seeing between international cheese prices and the U.S. prices, this break in, in the spot is only going to facilitate more in, you know, more exports, which will probably bring the price right back up. So that, that's kind of my spiel on cheese. I think we were noting earlier, though, that Probably something, you know, it's not just cheese that, that has the, the discount to it. Also, you know, we've had our eye on nonfat slash skim here for quite a while now as it relates to the international markets. If you remember, you know, the, the GDT price has been up here on skim for a long time. You know, it settled today at $1.56. That is higher, but still, you know, we, we would say that we've been generally in this range for about the last six six auctions now. And the U.S. really hung out on the nonfat side but for a long time at a dollar twenty, you know, even lower than that, a dollar ten to a dollar twenty was its trading range. We kept saying at some point in time this is gonna make this thing go. Finally it is making us go. We're starting to see those export orders. And so I look at this auction today, and like we said before, if New Zealand and the European market starts to move lower, well, then it gets a little tough to be bullish the U.S. They're not only not moving lower, they're starting to edge higher again on some pretty solid demand coming out of China. I'm forced to look at that and say that spells upside for the U.S. nonfat market. To this morning, right after the auction was done, you started to see our futures start to edge up and our spot market edged up. So here we are at 131 and a quarter. New Zealand's at 156. I think Europe's at $1.45. You know, it, it just puts us at the bottom of the pricing tier again. And anybody who is an international buyer looking for value is going to end up here on our shores. 
as we shift to butter, the dynamic's not much different between that triad, if you will. New Zealand settled the day uh, slightly lower in butter at 2.30. EU is right around 2.18. And here's the U.S. at 185 and a quarter. If there's going to be some exports out there, and we do believe there will be specifically for butter moving forward, then people are going to try to find a way to come here to get a hold of this stuff. We are the cheapest in the world. And again, after the GDT, futures prices started bumping higher. In response to that, we start to see the spot price move higher. So a lot of pieces to the puzzle are, are falling into place, it sounds like, especially for the back half of this year. The GDT going higher, our price is kind of falling apart a little bit. Um, in, a, in a healthy manner, I would assume, and export orders getting, you know, taken care of and, and kind of going off here. But there's still, I guess, a piece you and I talked about, I'd say, on the past two podcasts, and it would be the logistics side. You can get as many orders to go overseas as possible, but if the ports are still backed up, how do we you know, circumnavigate around that problem? Or have you heard of things in the West maybe clearing up a little bit? You know, I don't have a connection into my local stevedore there, Cody. So <laughs> um, what I am forced to do is listen to what people say, hmm. right? And I read the news and you chat with people and they say, boy, are things backed up? We can't get it out of the country. It's hard to do. The only thing you can do at the export side is ship on rail down into Mexico, right? And again, if people say it, I got to believe them because uh, I just don't have any other data out there when it comes to that actual shipping. However, I have to say I was unbelievably surprised when I looked at the export report for March that came out last week and I saw that we had not near record exports, we had record exports of nonfat. And we had some pretty outstanding uh, exports of butter. And we had outstanding exports of cheese, right? And in totality, I think it was our uh, highest export. I don't think by dollar, but by volume. But specifically, when you looked at nonfat, you know, the end destinations were places like Malaysia and Indonesia and Vietnam. Yeah, Mexico was in there, and there was some growth out of Mexico on on our exports down into them. But what we saw was these other countries that you know are part of the growth story. I'm pretty sure there's not a railroad that gets there, right? I mean, it's gonna it's getting shipped on a boat, and and it tells me that those ports are functioning. I, maybe they're slowed down. And as we've said on here, I think last time, but my joke has been, hey, if this is what we exported. When the ports are broken, imagine what's going to happen when they're fixed. And I, I guess I, I'm just going to stick to that and say, yes, the ports do have problems. They are backing things up. I believe people when they tell them to me, but there are other people that are making somehow making those ports work. I expect that they'll continue to. And um, not only do I think that those that port problem is part of the discount that the U.S. is trading at, but as those ports become more and more functional and the, the world price goes higher, I think you'll start to see A, more product leave the country and B, the price of U, the U.S. price of those products go up as well. It, from just one last note on the export side, if I can touch on it, is I think we noted on here last time, but there's been a lot of talk recently about Mexico. There is a drought in Mexico right now that has been around for a while, uh, but it's you know not getting better. And as a result, you know Mexico 
buys a lot of products out of the U.S. from the dairy side. They're just not self-sufficient when it comes to their dairy supply. I think in nonfat, 50% of all nonfat gets exported. 50% of that goes to Mexico. So, you know, quick back of the envelope math, 25% of all of our nonfat production goes into Mexico. They're a very, very important customer to us, and we rely on them day in and day out. What we're seeing right now is because of the drought, they're starting to step into the fold and looking for more than their normal round. We've seen their their exports be higher on a year-over-year basis for several months now, but now we're starting to see that accelerate a little bit. And you've got Mexico up here in the U.S. cleaning up the nonfat market, as well as something we haven't seen for quite a while is we're starting to see, you know, if they've got a drought and it's affecting their nonfat production, I guess it only makes sense that it's probably affecting their fat production as well. So we're hearing more and more stories of people getting calls and uh, taking orders and trying to service orders for butter and cream down in New Mexico. We'll see how that works out, but something tells me that's been part of the not the recent rally in the uh, butter price here over the course of the last you know three weeks. So do you think with the nonfat, you know, being like you said back in the envelope math, twenty five percent of our powder heading south of the border, could that be bumped up here soon to 30, 35% going forward if this drought continues as bad as it, as it seems? That's a good question. I think I would just, I, I'm forced to look at it through the lens of we're going to export more powder. Right now, one could say, well, geez, yeah, we're exporting more, but we're making more. Right. Yeah. So um, it's hard to put the, the math to that. What I will say, though, is, is that California is still in flush right now. That's kind of bizarre. I don't know if it's in flush, but it just hasn't quite peaked yet in pr- milk production. That's going to be a class four area. Bring it back. Um, you know, in the Midwest, we're, we're st- kind of in the, the peak of things right now. There's milk out there. That milk's getting processed. It's really for me about what does it look like moving forward from here? on the milk production side. And I think we've all, you know, looked and at that grain price recently and seen the fact that uh, we have seen the fact that, you know, corn prices and soybean prices have made their ways to levels we haven't seen in eight to nine years, right? That has significantly raised the price of doing business for probably every dairy farmer, but most importantly for a dairy farmer that has to buy their own grain. If we were to look at it from a geographic standpoint and say, hey, who's got to buy their own grain out there or said a different way, who's going to get hurt the most? We would look at it to say it's probably people that are importing their grain on the, you know, from the domestic market or having to buy it. That puts us really guys in the West. And when we look at what we make out there, that's class four. That's a lot of butter powder out there. So right now, is the milk production number okay? Sure. And, and I bet we'll see a pretty decent number when the milk production number comes out. I guess I worry about what life looks like when we get three to four months down the road and some of these grain prices become reality at the farm gate level. Right. No, exactly. Uh, I agree 100%. It's not going to hit this month. But like you said, three or four months down the road, it could be a big tell on how much new production or production in general is actually coming online. So if I were to if I were to put that together, I would say I think we have an increased demand for U.S. butter powder products, and at the same point in time, I see prospect of milk supply here in the U.S. 
getting, maybe not suffering so much, but not growing. And if I were to look at one region that probably stands to suffer would be the class four. So one of those cases where we might have increased international demand and a decreased domestic supply of finished goods. And I look at that and say, I, I just look at, you know, I look at the world price and see that we're already at a dollar fifty-six skim in the world. Again, I look at the, the New Zealand fat price and see we're at two thirty. I, I don't think I don't look at those prices and say those are ridiculous prices. You know, uh, and I, I guess I'm forced to say I, I do think that the U.S. has the potential to get to that level. Perfect. No, that's a great explanation. And uh, as always, John, we appreciate you being on and, and talking about GDT Tuesday and kind of what's transpiring, not just here in the United States, but uh, across the globe, you know, altogether. Happy to be here, Codiddle. So if anybody has any comments or questions, um, hit John specifically, as he is, I would say, probably the, the most versed on this in our office, if I may. Um, and Paige is going to put his contact info in the description along with mine if you have any questions for me also. But if you have anything on global dairy trade, I'd say John is probably the guy in-house. So with that, we will sign off and be back in about two weeks for hopefully another higher GDT. Higher GDT.